I want to welcome on our next guest. Uh, we've got Chase Hughes, Wizards reporter, national reporter for NBC Sports Washington. Chase, how's your quarantine going right now? Uh, it's going good. First of all, congratulations on starting your new show uh, and for a good cause. That's really cool, and I appreciate you having me on. And quarantine has has been what it is. You know, luckily, uh, my family is safe and everything. All the most important things are in order. And, and my wife and I actually had our first kid about six weeks ago. That's so, awesome. Uh, so it's been a really interesting time in my life, for sure. You didn't have to name the kid Larry, did you? No, <laughs> no, no. Did not name him Larry or her. It's a, it's a she, and oh, uh, she, her, and her, her name is V. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, because like Larry, Larry has a nice ring to it. But yeah, so, oh, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. So um, Lang- Langston. That's a good one too. That's a good yeah. one too. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Jerry is in the Bills, but that's basically all. I yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, but so um, so what have you been doing to keep busy? Uh, well, you know, work has actually been pretty busy. There's been so many things to write about involving the Wizards. I still do a Nationals podcast. Um, and uh, other than that, you know, uh, taking care of an infant keeps you busy. That's for sure. That's wild. And then so we, we just finished up the draft. What are your initial thoughts on the Redskins draft? Because everybody, you can't say anything wrong about Chase Young. Anybody else kind of catch your, catch your eye? Well, you know, it's so funny as a a longtime Redskins fan, you know, when it comes to the draft, I think you get a little bit um, desensitized over the years, like particularly when it comes to wide receivers, like they picked a wide receiver in the second, uh, the third round and a wide receiver in the fourth round. And I've learned over the, over the years that, you know, when you watch a running back or wide receiver, especially if they play for a school like Liberty, like uh, the Redskins fourth round pick Antonio uh, Gandy Golden did. They're just going to be tearing up the competition. They're going to be faster than everyone. They're going to be bigger. They're, they're going to run back kicks, and no one can tackle them. I just remember watching Samaj P. Ryan's tape and Roy Halu and Evan Royster and all these running backs that the Redskins brought in, and they never amounted to anything. So obviously you never know, um, but I think in terms of the positions, uh, I definitely liked the way they focused uh, their, their resources a lot on the offensive line. And though I am generally against spending like a – top draft pick on a wide receiver obviously you're in a position where you need to add some playmakers to the supporting cast for Dwayne Haskins a young quarterback so I feel good about what they did there um I like Cameron Curl their seventh round pick he's a safety but again a seventh round pick what are the odds that they're going to amount to anything but the Chase Young pick is obviously the, the story of it all uh I guess in addition to the Trent Williams trade and with Chase Young I think it's a situation where you just don't want to overthink it. You've got this generational prospect, as everyone says. He's in a position of need. He's a local guy. You've got a new coach who's a defensive guy, and Ron Rivera with Jack Del Rio's defensive coordinator. It's almost like it makes too much sense. To do anything else would have been overthinking it. So I certainly applauded the move, and it was nice when it actually happened so I could watch highlights and get excited for him to be a Redskin. Yeah, I think he's going to be fantastic. He seems like he fits like a glove, even though they really didn't need another defensive vent, but you're not going to pass up on this guy. This guy has a generational prospect. And they're really, unless the only thing that really would have gotten my attention is if, if since he had taken them, I wonder what they would have done. Because I don't think they're going to try to get Burrow and Haskins in another quarterback competition. Because if Haskins wins again, you just wasted a first round pick. But, and then I don't even trade down. Yeah, I mean, I think you would have had to really consider Joe Burrow. What he did dominating the SEC and uh, putting in basically one of the best seasons we've ever seen from an, uh, a college quarterback. Look, I, I think, you know, he checks off every box. If Tua was healthy, you would have had to consider that. But with Chase Young, I think you're hoping that, you know, you can finally have that front seven be what we thought they've 
we're going to be for years. You've, they literally set a record, spent more first-round picks in a row on defense alignment in NFL history. And the most disappointing part of last season for me uh, wasn't the Bruce Allen situation, wasn't Trent Williams, wasn't Dwayne Haskins' development. It was the fact that you, ha- you spent all these first-round picks on defense alignment. They were healthy, and they still weren't any good. So now if you add Chase Young and they don't click and it's not a top-10 front seven by whatever measure you want to measure them by, then that's going to be really discouraging as Redskins fans. So I feel like at this point, it it almost has to work. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, if Alex Smith never gets hurt and Trent never holds out and they never take Haskins and situations arise where they get a top pick and two, it doesn't have any injury concerns and you're looking for somebody to succeed Alex Smith, that makes sense. The way it's going on now, you just take the best prospect available. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, a quarterback, we all know, is the most important position on the field. But edge rusher is probably the second most important position. You know, it's probably between that and a left tackle. But given how much an edge rusher can affect a game, if you have a guy like a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller, obviously I'm naming guys that are probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, so I don't want to put too much on Chase Young. But if he can turn into any semblance of that, a guy who gets you 13, 14 sacks uh, a season, you know, for an extended stretch during his career – that can affect the game so much, and it makes your secondary better. It makes your linebackers better. Uh, as long as you can reduce the time that the opposing quarterback has to throw the ball, it can have an enormous effect. And also, if you look at Dwayne Haskins, he was not very impressive as a rookie. I think any objective observer would say that. So the best thing to do probably for him is maybe not give him you know, a top-flight wide receiver. It's lower the score. Uh, you know, lower the pressure on him, make it so he only has to lead the Redskins offense to 20 points a game rather than 30. And then maybe he might have an actual chance to develop uh, at his own pace and, and win some games along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Like they were before Alex Smith's injury, they were first in the division. They weren't really blowing anybody out, but the defense was playing well. He was Alex Smith really wasn't doing too much, but they were, it was working. I know they were probably winning games. They were scoring maybe like 16 to 20 points, but it was working. And until Haskins really gets things going, if that's the best case, I know Adrian Peterson would love any carry he can get. So I, I think they're in a good spot right now going forward and having a stellar defensive line as they do, I think it's just going to help them. Yeah, and you know, going back to Alex Smith, you mentioned him. Um, a lot of people focused on how his numbers weren't impressive. I think he was barely throwing a touchdown a game in those nine games that he played with the Redskins, but they were six and three. And a lot of people yeah. say, well, quarterback wins don't matter. But what I noticed from Alex Smith uh, in that one season, and I think is the reason why every, basically everywhere he's gone, he's won. And, and since you know, his final days in, in San Francisco, when they figured things out with Jim Harbaugh and went to the NFC Championship game, He is as good as any quarterback I've ever seen at controlling the clock and making timely throws and just moving the chains. And then when you get to the end of the game and it's a 15 to 14 game, he drives you down and gets you a field goal. So uh, he's not going to be able to win games if you got to win 30 to 27. But if you keep the score low, he is a master at at controlling the clock. And I think people uh, underrate how important that skill is. You control the rhythm of the game and you control the clock. And and, And I remember the Redskins when they were six and three, we're near the top of the league in time per play and time per possession and possession uh, time, time of clock that they were, they were eating up. And, and that was a testament to Alex Smith, who obviously the running game was good that year, but he also helped by getting some first downs with his legs. Um, so I, I think that's one way you can win. And, and maybe Dwayne Haskins can develop into that guy early on, as long as the defense gives him a chance. 
Absolutely. And even with that, that was a very conservative offense. They really weren't doing anything. If you look at his last year in Kansas City, pretty sure they were they start off the season five and zero, and he was getting MVP consideration. And then it's unfortunately, if you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes behind you, you're going to get traded. So, but he can be a great leader in the locker room. I know he's sticking around. I know they're talking about maybe keeping him around the front office. Um, I think he'd be great with that. If he, I think he wants to. I, I don't think, in my personal opinion, I don't think it's best if he plays anymore. Not that he wouldn't be great at it, just from a health perspective. Like the guy had 17 surgeries. You get the thing coming on tonight. 17 surgeries. You almost lost your leg. You almost lost your life. You're finally back healthy. I know in his mind as a competitor, he wants to go, I can I can get back out there. But Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's going to be interesting to see if he can do it. You know, I, I heard uh, John Keim, uh, ESPN's Redskins reporter on the radio, making some really good points about how if he tries this hard to come back, even if he falls short, he might create a better quality of life for him uh, moving forward. And basically, he said that all the experts you talk to and the people around him at the, uh, the, at the, the, the facility say that, you know, they're, they're not exactly expecting him to play, but they're also not going to bet against him. And I was thinking if he actually returned to the NFL and just played and looked okay it would honestly be one of the more uh impressive feats that i think you've ever seen from a professional athlete especially the people that know him or close to him that know what he's been through and i think we're all going to get a better idea of that when we watch the espn documentary it's honestly going to create a level of respect for him that i think is probably unique to him that you may not have seen with other players knowing what he's gone through and that you know is basically he was on his deathbed yeah. Yeah. It's going to be insane. It's going to be wild. And then just seeing just all the pictures of his leg and all the stories about the sepsis and 17 surgeries. And I know they said that a lot of people at the hospital he was initially at really had done anything that magnitude. So they kind of moved him over to like a military hospital because the injury was that bad that like combat veterans had could, could be more in common with some of those procedures than he was, which is just wild. But I think, yeah, this that competitive drive. You, you know, he's when you're, you, you get bumped to second string for Colin Kaepernick and then you do it, then you get bumped to second string for Patrick Mahomes and then you have this devastating injury. That's got to be killing him as a competitor. But hopefully, he, hopefully he's back 100% healthy. And if he can get back in the field, uh, maybe, but it, it, it's a risk. It's the same thing with Ryan Shazier. If, if, I know he really wants to come back, but it's, I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah, the Ryan Shazier one is almost even more troubling because it's yeah. a spinal injury. You know, you, you feel like if you re-injure that, then, you know, you could risk your life. With Alex Smith, um, you know, we have seen guys come back from that type of stuff in other sports. Gordon Hayward, Paul George. Uh, it really seems like what Alex Smith went through was even a few steps beyond that. But um, it is, you know, his leg. And, and I think if he finds the mobility, then, you know, I guess at a base level, he won't be risking his life. I think I, I, you would you would guess if he, if he returned to the NFL uh, football field. Yeah. And then aside from the football season, so that's an, that's on hiatus for the foreseeable future. I know they said they might have the deadline pushed back. Well, that I think NFL is going to happen. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you there's going to be, everything's going to be okay, but I think the NFL, they're going to put it on. I don't think fans will be there, but in terms of basketball, we haven't seen March 11th. That, that day is never going to come out of my mind because I'm literally, I'm literally in the office watching all this stuff um, kind of implode. You're seeing the game stop. It was the, the, th- the thunder and the jazz. And then all of a sudden Tom Hanks and his wife have, and I'm like, what is going on? So we haven't seen the wizards in a while. Um, 
you've been you've been seeing some interviews with Brad Beal. You give given back. I know John Wall had been given back. I know he donated a lot of masks to the, uh, the hospital in North Carolina. I think that his mother was at doing a lot of good in the community. But I feel like a lot of fans. It's been a long time since we've seen John Wall. What what do fans when when basketball resumes? It, assuming it resumes, let's say they play. Let's say they start. The, when they resume the season, they say they do the play-in tournament with the seven, eight seeds, or they do the playoffs and say the Wizards don't play until December. What what can fans expect when Wall returns to the court? Well, first of all, if the regular season does resume, the expectation is you see my my cat walking by. <laughs> the expectation is that he will not play. Uh, they've been pretty definitive saying that no matter what happens with the 2019-2020 regular season, you're not going to see John Wall. So Whenever the 2020-21 season starts, I think opening night, you'll see John Wall. And I, obviously, there's going to be an adjustment. He's coming back from a major, major surgery, rupturing his Achilles. Um, as a point guard in the NBA, he's got some obstacles to overcome, trying to go up against who are honestly probably the quickest athletes in the world I mean, at, at his position in his league in the competition he goes up against. So it's going to be tough. Um, but he is going to have a lot of extra time to recover. And I think by the time he gets back, there's – no reason to believe that he won't be fully healthy. But that said, you know, he's going to have to work his way back into game shape. Shape. He's going to have to work his, his way back into a rhythm. And I think offensively, people are probably, I think, overstating the effect this injury will have. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, he's known for his speed. What if he loses that speed? I think he's going to be okay offensively, even if he loses a step, because he's still going to be one of the two or three biggest players at his position. Uh, he was so much faster and quicker than everyone that even if he loses a step, you know, he still might be able to separate himself from the pack or at least against some players. And his passing ability is so uniquely good that um, that's not going to go away. You know, he's still going to uh, be able to pass over players and the accuracy and the vision is still going to be there. Um, so I'm not necessarily worried about him offensively. Obviously, you'd like to see him improve his shot, but I think he could adjust his game and maybe be uh, more effective in the post. Defensively is where you're going to have to really watch out for him to start out because the, the most difficult part about that injury, as a lot of people have gone through it say, is lateral quickness. Uh, so going side to side and staying in front of uh, point guards is going to be difficult uh, doing that. So I think the, Red, the, the Wizards need to think, keep that in mind and probably start, start working this offseason on building a defensive foundation around him so that uh, they can mitigate whatever problems he's going to have coming back at first and make things a little bit easier for him. Just to put it in a time perspective, do you remember who the starting five was? I don't have it in front of me. Do you remember who the starting five was the last game he played? Uh, well, the last game he played was, uh, I believe it was December 26, 2018. So you're talking about uh, a year and a half ago, essentially. Uh, Bradley Beal was probably in the starting lineup. Um, Porter, I guess. Yeah, Otto Porter, um, Markeith Morris, I'd guess, was hurt. Um, so let's – and Marching Gortat wasn't on the <laughs> wow. team. So Thomas – no, not Thomas Bryant. Um, I would say Jan Mahimi wow. and uh, – and uh, who was – our Jeff Green. Wow. Wow, that feels like a while ago. Wow. And then so for this year, assuming they're going to have a pretty good draft pick, you don't know how it's going to roll out yet um, – Assuming they, I, I think, my personal opinion, I think Wall has always benefited from playing with a really good big man when he's in his repertoire, whether it was back in the day with his, him and McGee. I know this team wasn't good, but they, they, they jumped well. And the same thing when they had Nene, same thing with Gortat. 
which of these big man prospects coming up in the draft, whatever it happens, do you think would be would fit in best with the Wizards? Well, obviously the guy that stands out is James Wiseman. I think from a positional and need fit perspective, he's the best player uh, that the Wizards could luck into, just purely on that. I'm not saying he's going to be the best player in the draft, but they need rebounding, they need rim protection, they need uh, a guy with a high ceiling and a super athlete, and he checks off all those boxes. Now, he only played three games in college, so he's a really tough prospect to evaluate. He had the NCAA scandal at Memphis, and it was kind of really unfortunate how it all went down. And I I don't think anyone should judge him based on his character because of that. I think he was a guy who came from an upbringing where, you know, it was tough to to turn down some of these benefits, these improper benefits. And look, he got caught doing what a lot of other guys probably haven't gotten caught doing. So it was just an unfortunate situation. By all accounts, he's a great kid, uh, super smart. He knows Mandarin Chinese. Um, Yeah, he's got a lot of really impressive plans for what he wants to do off the court and after basketball. So I'm thoroughly impressed with him as a person and as an athlete. Uh, A lot of people have compared him to David Robinson because he's 7'1". He's 7-1 and is just a complete freak athlete. He's also left-handed, so David Robinson kind of comes to mind. But, you know, maybe he turns out to be a lesser player like a DeAndre Jordan, who is just kind of an off uh, rebounder and, and defensive guy. But either way, he's the exact type of guy that the Wizards could use. And if they had the number one overall pick, that's the guy I would be honing in on at this point. Do you know right now if the season, if if the lottery is set, I know they brief, they fixed it up at the top three having the equal odds, and then after they – do they have the top was it the top three each have a certain percentage and then each following team as you get down to 14 they a less percentage but everybody has a small sliver of a chance of getting to the top what what would be what pick what range do you think they're in right now to fall in the draft so right now uh, based on the regular season standings they have the ninth best odds so another way to look at it is the ninth worst record last year they had the sixth worst record and actually moved back to ninth when they picked Rui Hachimura but it's interesting because we only have one year of data with the new draft lottery odds, right? But what it's done is it try, it's tried to create an equal playing field um, so that if you tank, it doesn't necessarily reward you like it used to. Um, and what was fascinating about last year is there was not one, not two, but three cases of a team which must, with much lower odds jumping up into the top four. We saw it with the New Orleans Pelicans who went all the way to number one. They were actually in the ninth spot where the Wizards are That's now. That's wild. The Memphis Grizzlies went all the way up to number two. Uh, I believe they had the 10th best odds. And then the LA Lakers, who I believe had the 11th best odds, moved all the way up to number four. So it happened three times last year. So maybe you can't expect it to happen three times, but it could certainly happen once, right? So there's a chance that the Wizards could improve their draft standing. But it's also um, interesting when you see how the, the odds break down because I think they can't pick between like fifth and eighth. So there's this kind of like a uh, black hole in their draft lottery odds where it's almost like a boom or bust situation. But if they had a, a top five pick, which th- there's a decent chance that that could happen, um, they should have a really good opportunity to find a blue chip guy who could potentially change the fortune of the franchise pretty soon. Yeah. Cause the team's picking at the top when you look at it now. So I don't have the schedule in front of me, but the Knicks seem pretty confident with Mitchell Robinson. I don't think they're looking at Wiseman. Definitely the Warriors. I, I, you don't know if they're going to move him, so that could potentially be something else. Um, Sacramento, I don't really think so. You, you got a decent young core. You, got, you just took Bagley a couple years ago. What's Cleveland the latest? There's Cleveland with Andre yeah. Drummond. There's Minnesota with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. There's the Atlanta Hawks who have um, – you know, John Collins, although I think he's going to leave in free agency, mm. uh, and also uh, Clint Capella. 
So yeah, there's some teams that you wonder as Wiseman a fit, um, but I, I just don't think he's going to fall that far because when you watch him on tape, it's like the, the, the athleticism is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And then switching over to baseball, I think baseball is the soonest to come back than anything else. I based, based on just thinking about it, thinking about all the players on the field, no fans. Um, if, if you, if there's no force outs, players don't need to, they're not touching each other. They can stand a couple feet apart. If they wear gloves. I don't know how the, the mass situation is. I don't know if you, I don't know if they could get them like oxygen mass. I don't know how that would work. Maybe Major League baseball knows about that, but I feel like baseball, if the play, if everybody can agree to it and it's safe and it can happen, I think baseball is the soonest to come back. Would, would, would you agree with that? Uh, soonest to come back. Um, that's a, that's a tough thing to gauge because I don't, I don't know. Cause maybe the NBA could get things in order quicker because they're already technically mid season, but, but any league is probably going to use or going to require um, a few weeks to get things started. What is interesting about baseball is the, every team has a secondary home for spring training and they're centrally located, right? You've got a bunch of fields in Arizona and a bunch of fields in Florida. So that is an advantage for them. Um, and you know, a lot of these ideas that they've thrown out there, I've kind of shot down on our nationals talk podcast and radio interviews, but then you hear Anthony Fauci, who's kind of the, the lead of all this say that, uh, hold on a second, actually, you know, there may be an opportunity to open baseball up without fans. He's actually a nationals fan. So who am I to argue against him? So I, I think, um, baseball, it sounds like is maybe getting the most creative with their ideas to reopen sports. So maybe based on that, I would say that they have, they have an opportunity maybe to be the first league, but um, it's, it's really tough to gauge. And especially when you say, okay, when could it happen? Well, we're sitting here in early May and you know how much has changed in, in less than two months. You mentioned March 11th. We're not even at the two month anniversary of that. Right. So how am I supposed to project into July when maybe, you know, baseball's talked about coming back. It's really impossible at this point. Yeah, and I saw somebody, I saw somebody floated the possibility. I don't know where I heard it. But for NBA, they said, like, they could do two cruise ships and have one Eastern Conference and one Western Conference. I'm like, well, this is a bad idea. But, like, <laughs> you dock it, you restrict everybody who's on. I know they said, I think I saw uh, somebody said last night that the NBA is looking to get 15,000 tests, which is not uh, – right now, I don't think it's very possible. But – baseball will be interesting because once you lose the ball, you're not going to get it. Basketball, have a good, somebody can stand outside and make sure it doesn't go in the water. But I, I, just, I think there's so, so many people spitballing and there's so many different ideas. And the thing is, the fact that really it's all just kind of hearsay and nothing's really set in motion, I don't think it's coming back that soon. I know a lot of times people have been floating around maybe July, but it, it, there's a lot of technicalities they're going to have to figure out. And it's a, the players don't have to agree to it. I know the players, I don't think they've been paid yet because they, the season hasn't really begun. I know it was a week and a half before opening day. So I know the players are going to want to get paid. The fans are going to want have something to watch. There's nothing on right now. Tiger King was a month and a half ago, and the last dance is going to be long gone by July. So I, I don't know. Ozark is good, but there's only a couple episodes. But um, I think they're going to try to figure by it the out. Way. If you're if you need something to listen or to watch, Nathan for you. I've recaught up on that. Uh, unbelievably funny that show. I was watching old um, Tosh Pino highlights like from like 2010, and I'm like, how is this? Sh- it, it, how is this show still on? Like it's it still like it was still good. I'm like this. Like he he caught on. Like as soon as like YouTube and everything was coming in, they're like, all right, we're gonna show him that. And it's it's wild, but it's just it's it's wild. And they've had so many guest stars on that thing, but it's insane. But yeah, but do you? Th- 
So if you were to bet which sport comes back first, would you say basketball? Uh, yeah, I would say basketball or hockey just because they are mid-season. Um, and uh, I don't know, some of the ideas, you know, who am I to say that they aren't unrealistic? Maybe they're, they just sound as realistic as anything that baseball's come up with. You know, the NBA, there's fewer players to account for. There's, there's a few things that are working in the NBA's favor. So um, and maybe there's a convention center or a, a Vegas casino where they could just pack everyone in. And, you know, it's much easier to get the, the whole league in one place because you're talking about literally half the players. So um, I guess I would probably go with uh, the NBA, but also it's, it's also a contact sport, you know? Yeah. Especially with Vegas. Like I'm sure the guys with families would be a little bit kind of hesitant, but like for the single guys, like they got some nice pools. Some of those hotels are beautiful. I don't know if they're going to give you musical acts, but it's, they got some nice stuff. You could gamble. I don't know if they really want you to gamble, but there's, there's a, it, it seems enticing if it's safe, but for the guys with families, that's why with baseball, I know they've floated the idea of having a league in Arizona, Texas, and Florida, which I don't really know how that worked. The one, the, the, the initial one they said was Arizona. I was kind of hesitant, but when the second one they said, okay, we can have it in Arizona and Florida, where all the spring training sites are, where most of the guys probably already have homes. That kind of rung with me because I'm like, all right, then their families can be with them. Yeah, and that seems to be the biggest concern if you hear from a lot of Major League Baseball players uh, and their wives is that. Yeah. We don't want to be separated from our family for three, four months at yeah. a time. You know, it's already baseball is already very tough on family life. There's a lot of travel. Sometimes you're gone for three weeks. You play every single day. You're, you know, just playing a game. Uh, there's so much wasted time. <laughs> and honestly, at a baseball park, between how long batting practice takes and how early those guys are expected to get there, I, I covered baseball for a while. I feel like there's it's a bit of an antiquated system. So these guys are there from like three o'clock to 11 PM every day or, or much longer, especially with double headers and, and rain, rain outs and how long the games go. So it's already very tough. And you hear like um, some of the wives, especially the ones that are pregnant and are expecting, yeah. you know, kids to be born mid season to be separated from their husbands is a, a real tough pill to swallow. And then you, you look at some of the names of these people, like Mike Trout's wife is expecting Clayton Kershaw's wife is expecting uh, Ryan Zimmerman, who obviously has a lot of pull with the nationals. His, his wife is expecting. So um, that, that's a hurdle. I just don't see how they can get over. Yeah. Well, for Trout, as long as the season's over, if, if, the, if his child isn't born by late September, he should be good. Cause yeah. <laughs> so hey, they got yeah. down now. Oh, that's true. And I heard somebody say the other day, they said, Otani. So who was it? Somebody said Otani is like the best player, the best prospect ever seen. I don't know. I saw some headline of that, but they should be fun. To, and then for the nationals this year. So they're still the reigning champions, even though we're, seven months removed from the world series. What, 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 what do you expect when the season does resume or when it commence? Well, uh, I expect it to be really emotional, honestly, for a lot of people who are playing the game and at the game and fans watching because, um, whatever sport returns first, it's just going to be an amazing moment. Um, hopefully they can find out how to do so in a, a safe way. So that there's no outbreak that's, you know, that, that is caused by any of this, but I think it's going to be a real special moment when sports return. As far as baseball, it seems like baseball in order to make this happen is probably gonna have to get more creative than the other leagues in terms of like division alignment, which is very important in baseball. Divisions don't really matter in basketball, but in baseball, they're very important. And you've seen some reports about how they could be structured based on geography. So the nationals might be in the same division as like the Yankees, Red Sox and Orioles, for instance, because it'd be like kind of a Northeastern, uh, quadrant 
So that could be fascinating, uh, you know, beyond the most important part of this whole process, which is finding out how to keep everyone safe is going to be one of the more interesting experiments that we've seen in the history of sports where uh, things are going to have to be adjusted. It's going to be a truncated season in all likelihood, right? There's going to be fewer games. So they're going to matter more. Uh, their division rivals are going to be different. So I'm interested to see how does this affect the game itself? And, you know, in baseball, uh, where you play matters too. the weather, the dimensions of the ballpark and the way that a lot of the plans that have been put out there, you know, involve playing in Arizona or playing all the games at Chase Field. So uh, things are going to be affected by all this, like in terms of the results of the games, which I think is going to be interesting. Yeah, and especially like with, with all of that, with all the ideas people are floating out, like you saw a horse that ESPN did and we're like, it was a great idea in hindsight. I think the biggest takeaway from that is Mike Conley's got a nice house. But aside, but aside from that, like they're going to they're going to have to be creative because they're going to have to make sure they have the all the parameters set in case another Rudy Gobert situation does happen. I know. So it's going to be very interesting. Maybe I don't know if they're just spacing people out, a lot of tests, contract tracing, a little bit of everything. Uh, it appears that uh, with the weather getting warmer, that's not really going to do anything. Um, but it's going to be very interesting. But. Um, hopefully we can get sports back real, real soon. And I really wanted to thank you again for, for coming on. And then how can people reach you on social media? Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. And again, congratulations for the, the podcast. You can find me uh, on Twitter. It's probably the best place at Chase Hughes NBCS. All right, cool. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. Um, if you haven't, if you have a son, Larry, Larry Langston, or Jerry would be great names. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, that could be interesting too. But yeah, stay, stay safe out there. Hope the best for your family. And hopefully we can get back to the office soon because it's, it's been a while. <laughs>